Genesis chapter number 1. You can be assured I will not be speaking about the end times. Out of Genesis chapter number 1. And I want to come back, and I've had this on my mind. I, I was... I even told Brother Hebert what I was thinking about preaching. I'm not preaching that today out of Genesis 1. And uh, I said, I believe this is what God has for us tomorrow, as I was talking to him yesterday. And uh, I just couldn't get settled in peace early, early, early this morning. And uh, But this is where God wanted us to go, and I was just fighting it against it. And uh, I want us to come over to Genesis chapter number 1. And I want us to be reminded, and this will be a very simple reminder this morning, um, that we believe in a biblical six-day creation, a literal six-day creation. I don't believe that the days that are mentioned here as we begin to look down through, even though there's some application in other passages of Scripture, that the word day might be able to mean a longer period of time, but we see from Scripture right here that this day is a literal 24-hour day. You say, well, Pastor, why would you have to come and spend an entire service and be able to remind us of this and be able to come to the Scriptures and be able to say, hey, God created everything. Now we can close the Bible and we can go home, right? Because it's amazing what's taken place around this world that has started, listen, we're not just talking in the last 30, 40, 50 years, but hundreds and thousands of years ago as they begin to doubt that, number one, that there's a God, and then number two, that he created everything. And you say, well, why is that? Because we live in a society today that even in Christianity, we try to take our beliefs and be able to make them palatable to the beliefs and actions of this world. And so we try to make them fit in to their system of beliefs that somehow they'll be a little bit more conducive and, and agreeable to what we're saying and make us a little bit pleasable in their sights. Well, can I say this? We've never been commanded to be pleasable in the sight of them in the, that are in the world. I believe the Bible. And I believe Genesis 1.1 that says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so when we look at the Scripture, we do not need to try to take the philosophy of this world and say, well, maybe we need to make it agree with the Bible somehow. So then they have outrightly come and said that the Bible is wrong, and they have a theory, and may I remind us that it is just a theory, that they try to teach evolution. You'll be hard-pressed to walk into a public school and be able to hear creationism taught. Well, that's because of the facts and the science of evolution. Well, I would challenge, not just based upon the authority of the Word of God, but I would challenge their very definition 
of what science is. That, and I by no means, I might have to have Melissa Drury come up here and give us the definitions for it all. Now, do you understand that science is actually in its most basic form is provable, observable, repeatable actions. That you can say this has happened over and over and now we can base facts upon that. Now, may I remind us that no one was around 30 billion years ago to be able to see this evolving. But we do have the original author that actually wrote it down that was there when he spoke the world into existence. I'm amazed because you can study the evolutionists around this world and it's amazing as they try to be able to explain things to us and probably the one thing that I get the most chuckles out of is circular reasoning and thinking that we don't catch on to it whatsoever. That they say we found this fossil and this fossil has to be 20 million years old because it was found in this layer of sediment. And this layer of sediment is 20 million years old. So then we go on and start having another conversation. You can even go into the next room. And then they start talking about the layers of sediment that we have around the world. And they say this layer of sediment is 20 million years old. Well, how do you know it's 20 million years old? Because of the fossils that were found in that layer of sediment. Okay, so you can't have it both ways. That's what's called circular reasoning. And they go round and round. And can I say this, and, and listen, I'm going to say it whether you give permission or not. It takes greater faith to believe that you came or I came from a one-cell organism that after a million years decided to sprout a tail and then another million years or so decided to grow legs and swing from a tree and I think I had it backwards. They got the legs first and then the tail. Swinging from the trees and then the tail broke off and praise God, I'm a man at last. I mean, after 10 million years of evolving. Now, we say these things in the most basic of terms, but can I say this is very widely believed around this world? And you say, well, what about the Bible? So then Christians try to take the Word of God and try to come up with some answer to be able to fit the two together. So then they start coming up with a thing called theistic evolution and try to put the things together that, okay, well, maybe God got everything started like he said. And then he just allowed evolution to be able to take over from there. Why should we try to take the beliefs of the word of God and make them fit into a worldly philosophy and belief system? The Word of God can stand alone. Over and over and over again, and if you want to go do your research, and you want to be able to read, I, I believe this, and, and uh, I believe a great resource for it, and I'm not going to qualify everything, but you can go to Answers in Genesis. 
They're a tremendous resource for some of these things. Go start reading some of the articles that have been written. And you know what they're finding out is science and archaeologists, and, and uh, they, they're all catching up. They've never proved the Bible wrong. In fact, they just continually, if they approach it like they're supposed to, they actually continually prove the Bible right. So we come back to this, and I want to remind us of this today and then bring it to a very pointed conclusion after we get done looking at Genesis chapter number 1. Okay? Now we see in Genesis chapter number 1, look at verse number 3. We'll start here. I want to just read the entire passage and say, there you go. We have the biblical um, proof of origin. Okay? Starting in verse number 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And can I just dispel this? I'm not skipping over verses 1 and 2 because I'm afraid of them. I believe we have the first two verses, and then it actually gives a summary um, a summary verses, and then we're actually told about creation on how things were. Okay, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, you may say we're going back to five and six-year-old Sunday school classes, but what did God create on day one? Can someone tell me, as we just read in the Scriptures, what did he create on on day one? Light. Okay? And so light and darkness, he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And see where we have this, this establishment of time in verse number five, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And may I remind us all the way through the Jewish calendar, even through today, they still run their days like that they still start their day at sundown. So tonight for us at sundown is Monday starting for them in the Jewish calendar, okay? And so we take it from 12 o'clock to 12 o'clock. They took it from sundown until the next sundown. So we have day number one. Was it 24 hours? Was it one cycle of the sun? Or are we talking eons and eons of time in Genesis 1? It's just one day cycle, the evening and the morning. So then we get to verse number six. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. What God created on the second day? The firmament separated it, one above he called heaven, one below he called earth, and we have the firmament on the second day. Was the second day eons and eons of time? Now, can I say this? We read this in a matter of 10 seconds. All God had to do was speak it into existence. Do you understand God seated upon his throne? I don't even think he had to get up for this. That's just the power that God has. And so at God's appointed time, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And I'll remind us all the way through the scripture, the word of God always has the most power. 
The Word of God always has the most power. Whether it goes from the spoken Word to the written Word, it always has the most power. Verse number 9. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. God called the dry land, uh, excuse me, um, verse 10, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass. Isn't that amazing? God said, let him do it. And the earth brought forth grass. And herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. What God create on the third day? We have dry land, we have grass and herbs and trees. And when God gave the command, hey, let the earth bring forth grass, guess what? It did. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God's ultimate creation of mankind would simply be that obedient to the Lord? Now, here's what I did as I read down through Genesis 1. might be a good practice for you this afternoon. Is after every time, and we just saw the first one in verse number 11, when you see that little phrase, after his kind. It's amazing if you'd underline that or circle it every time you see it coming through Genesis chapter number 1. The evening and the morning, was that eons and eons of time? Or is that just one cycle of time from evening to morning? We have one day, don't we? One literal day. That was the third day. There'll be a quiz next week. You have to, in order, be able to put down what God created on each one of the days. That's your quiz for next week, okay? Don't get them out of order. You can't have the fish of the sea before there was a sea, okay? And so make sure they're in order. God did everything decently and in order. I love the fourth day. And God said, verse number 14, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. What are those lights? Can anybody tell me? Sun and the moon. Isn't it amazing? We call it a great light, but what it does is reflect the light of the sun. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And I love these five words. He made the stars also. What did he make on the fourth day? The sun, the moon, and the stars. Isn't that simple? God spoke them into existence. God hung the stars in their place. It just came out this week. I read an article on this that, uh, you know, all we do is get more powerful telescopes. They just said this week that there are more than 5,000 other worlds beyond our galaxy. That's a lot. I'm not doubting. They can see things I can't see. I mean, with, with my naked eye, I can't see all of that. 
But all I'll say this, you, you look at the stars that are out there, we can't number them, we can't say, and, and listen, if anybody ever comes up to you, and I, if, I know some of you have done this, so don't take it the wrong way, and said, hey, I named a star after you. That's not as romantic as what people think it is, okay? And so, but in a, in a simple five-word statement of the majestic nature of the stars and the galaxies that are beyond us, God says he made the stars also. Just almost as a subnote, that's the power of the word of God to be able to say, I've made the sun, I've made the moon, and, and by the way, I made the stars also. On the fourth day, speaking them into existence. Well, pastor, are you trying to lessen what took place? No, I'm trying to magnify the power of God in all of this. And you say, well, according to science, and this is according to science, things are expanding, and we understand that. You know the moon is actually moving away from the earth. Now, it, it, it's, it's very minute, but it works great for a young earth theory according to the word of God. As the moon is, is moving away, God created it. As the moon is actually losing a little bit each year from the earth, and I don't know the exact amount, somebody here might be able to tell me, the exact amount that it's moving away, do you understand you back that up 20 million years on how close that moon would be to the earth and the gravitational pull with the tides twice a day it'd flood the earth twice a day because it would be so close. Now we look at these things, God put everything in exact order, not because of what we need, not because of all the essentials, but God put it exactly how he desired for it to be. God put everything in order. God made the sun, the moon, and the stars, and he set them in the firmament, and that was the fourth day. Verse 19, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Aren't you thankful for that? Now, do we have four million years up till this point, or do we have four days? We have four days. Now, what difference does it make with God? Can I say that God would have just as much power to be able to make this go for a million years or to go for one day? He has just as much power. It didn't take anything out of him. But I'm going to believe the word of God and I am going to teach it and I am going to preach it according to what the scriptures say. That on the fourth day in the evening and the morning. Now look at this, verse number 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. First mention right here. So can I remind us of this? The stars don't have life. The moon doesn't have life. But the creatures have life. And fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales. And every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth 
day. And God made the sea creatures. We have the great whales, the living creatures, and the fowls of the air. Praise God for the fifth day, we got chicken. <laughs> the fifth day, we got turkey. They're all part of the same family anyway, okay? And so it's after their kind. Now, was the fifth day eons and eons and millions of years, or was it the evening and the morning were the fifth day? You say, Pastor, this is simple. We need to be reminded of this. Now we're coming down. Let's move to the sixth day. I am moving quickly through this. Verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle, and how many of you are thankful for the sixth day and creeping thing? How many here, that's your favorite, that's Samuel's favorite day, the creeping things. What would, you, what would be the purpose of a sister if you didn't have the sixth day of creation with creeping things? Then beast of the field after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the field after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. That's not all he created on the sixth day. Came forth from the earth. We have the cattle, the creeping thing, and the beasts of the field. But then we get to the crown and glory of God's creation. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. I want us to jump down and look at chapter number two. The crowning glory of God's creation. This is the first time that we see that God is saying anything that's created is after the image of God. May I remind us that the whales that were created on day five were not after the image of God. And all the ladies know that the creeping things... That's not after the image of God, is it? I don't even think God's within a hundred miles of those things. My grandfather always said, especially in relationship to snakes, my grandfather was deathly afraid of snakes. And he said, if God cursed them in Genesis 3, that's enough for him. And so he cursed them. That was enough for him. One time he walked out to his greenhouse. My grandfather and my dad always had a big greenhouse. And he walked out, and without looking, he reached down because there was a shovel there. And he reached down, to, he, he went to grab that shovel, but looked at something else and picked back up, and it was the tail of a snake. Man, you thought the rapture was taking place right there. I mean, it was just creeping things. When he comes to day six, and it's mankind, now I want you to see something too. It's with the second part of day six, that God stops speaking things into existence. So think about this. The Bible says in verse number 7 of chapter 2, 
Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Can you think about that? Now listen, I believe that God would have full power and that the dirt would just form as God said for it to do. But I believe that when God said we're going to make man in our image, I don't believe he just spoke man into existence. I believe that for the first time he started forming man on what mankind was going to look like. I believe he did that when he took the rib later on in chapter number 2 when we start reading about this, that he took the rib out of Adam's side, closed up the flesh thereof, and actually formed woman from the rib. Now, you say, Pastor, why are you going through all of this? I want us to see the importance. Yes, we believe in a literal six-day creation. I believe God spoke it into existence. I believe that after all of it, God said that it was good. The only thing he said wasn't good is when he saw and, and acknowledged and wrote down for us that man was alone. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And all the wives said, amen. You've left your husband by yourselves at some point. That's the only thing he said wasn't good. Everything else was good. He spoke it into existence. But when it comes to mankind, let me remind us that I believe God took the time not just to speak, but to say this is in our likeness. This is in our image to be able to form mankind and then breathe into man the breath of life. Now, I don't know if, if lips touched lips like we have for CPR today, or listen, God is powerful enough from heaven just to go, whew. after all, he did that on the day of Pentecost too, and there was a breath that was felt all the way through there, and there was a wind that was blowing. So I don't know if he breathed it from heaven or if he came down after forming and just so tenderly breathed in the breath of life. Can you imagine what it was like for mankind, for Adam, to be able to open his eyes? Now, this is the first time, and this is almost an oxymoron, the first time in eternity that someone other than God himself laid eyes on God himself. And Adam opens his eyes and looks into the face of God. And they begin that fellowship of walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You say, Pastor, why is that so important? We have nothing to do with Adam. I want you to see this and I want you to know this. With mankind and human beings being the only thing that God created in his image, God sure must think a lot of us. And I want you to know that I'm thankful that God thinks about you and God thinks about me enough to be able to create us in his image. How many think humans would look great with an elephant trunk coming out of our middle of our head. We're walking around, we have an elephant trunk. 
What about if we had an elephant trunk and the tail of a brontosaurus or something and we're walking around, okay? Now, God took enough care to make us proportional, to be able to put us together, and then to be able to fellowship with us. And I want you to know how important you are to the Lord. That God took the time to think about you. We get over to Psalm 139. David was reminded that God had all of his members written down in a book when as yet there was none of them. I believe God's given thought to each and every one of us. And not only does he have a purpose and a plan for our life, but listen, he helps us to accomplish that and he doesn't just leave us on our own for the rest of our life. You say, why is this so important? Because we live in a society today that wants to completely tear down the importance of human life. You say, where does this tie together? Go all the way back and think about evolution again. Do you understand if all we are is the result of a one-cell organism that split and grew a tail and then began walking? If that's all we are and we just came from monkeys and we have no heritage given to us by God himself, then listen, there's not much importance to it. Do you know how people can take their life, take other lives indiscriminately? Because they believe that, listen, we just came from animals, so guess what? We just treat each other like animals. And I would pray that God would allow us to be able to understand actually where humans came from and then the same care and the love that God had in creating the first humans on day number six, guess what? That we would have the same love and care towards others. That God cared enough about them. Now, you're not going to hear from this pulpit, you're not going to hear evolution being taught. You're not going to hear that we came from monkeys. I'm not going to condone that. There have been very few people that I have looked at them, and for a split second, I thought maybe, maybe there might be some truth to that. But there isn't. I believe the Bible. We didn't come from monkeys. And if you need deeper theological on this, then you can go listen to Patch the Pirate. Okay, what was the Patch the Pirate CD that dealt with this? What is it? Evolution, revolution. Evolution, revolution. They even got catchy songs and everything that you can sing down through there. Hey, listen, I didn't come from a monkey. I have a divine, supreme creator that took enough care to be able to think about you and I. And he loves his creation. So I want to encourage us. Here's where it comes down to. I want to share this with you. Take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. You say, well, pastor, I don't know if I can believe that. It's just what the Bible says. Well, you actually hit the nail on the head right there. Because the same way I said that it takes faith to believe that we came from monkeys 30 million years ago. Guess what? It takes faith to believe that God created this earth. And look what Hebrews chapter 11 says, these first three verses. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. 
so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You say, Pastor, how can I believe that? It's a matter of faith. It really is, because guess what? The same way I said no one was there 30 billion years ago to be able to see this taking place, guess what? When God spoke the world into existence, no one was there except for God. And you say, well, we've got the Word of God. You know how we believe the Word of God? Through faith. Through faith. You know what I'm choosing to do? I'm choosing to believe Genesis 1.1. Well, pastor, are you a scientist? Are you an archaeologist? Have you dug all this up? Are you a geologist? Have you studied all of these different stones and everything? No. I do read what other people have written. And there's some smart people out there that study rocks. There there are. They're, They're pretty smart people. And they can actually look at a rock. This, and I knew this, but it was brought back to mind. Brother Rawls sent me that article, and they, he was talking about the, uh, the, the rocks in the basin of the Grand Canyon. And it actually talks about the, the sediment that make up those rocks and actually how they're formed, that they're actually laid down, and they're looking at the sediment of the rock. And I'm like, I've never seen a rock bend like that. But he has. And I'm thinking he's a whole lot smarter than what I, not him, I'm talking about the, he's a whole lot smarter too. But I mean the scientists that we were reading after and the geologists studying these rocks, it's all come back to be able to prove what we already know by faith. To be able to say this is what Jesus, this is what God did. And aren't you thankful when it's, it's just another article in our arsenal? It's just another, I'll, I'll use this term, bullet in our spiritual gun. To be able to just say, yes, it's not that I believe the Bible because of those articles. It's that these articles have reinforced what I already believe. I believe the scriptures. And I'm asking this, if, and, and maybe this might be new to you, and you say, well, I've just been taught evolution all of my life, and that, I just took it for granted that that's what's true, and that's what we're supposed to believe. Well, guess what? That's not how the Bible says it happened. So when I go back to the Bible, you say, how in the world can I believe that? We believe it by faith. You know the same way that I have faith that I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me? The same way that I believe He paid for my sins? The same way I believe that if I trust Him and call upon Him, that I have eternal salvation and that God's going to take care of things. The same way I believe that by faith, I also come back to the Scriptures and it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. I believe the Bible by faith. And it hasn't been contradicted yet. But with all of that and the detail that God puts into it for us, I want to remind us on how special and valuable we are to the Lord that the Lord would take the time, first time, and be able to form man from the dust of the ground and breathe into man the breath of life. Do you understand he didn't even do that when we read it the first time life was mentioned, that he didn't do that to the fowl of the air? He just said, in whom the breath of life is. But for mankind, he specifically tells us he breathed into them the breath of life. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm so thankful that I can believe the Bible and the value that you place upon our lives. And I'm so thankful you desire to have fellowship with us and we can come back. Listen, the Bible has the answers for all of it. 
and by faith believe it. You say, well, I need all the proof. I need, I need to go back and be able to, to see when creation took place. You're not going to. And guess what? You can go to every lab and they're not going to show you evolution taking place. My thought is this. If evolution is true, and there's half of me, Brother Rawls, we've talked, there's half, not half. There's a little part of me that I'm thinking, I wish that would be true because that means at some point I'm going to run into somebody walking around with a tail because they haven't fully evolved yet. And I'm going to be laughing about that. And I think I'd just like to see that. But it's not. Because in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And I wanted to remind us this afternoon that we serve such a powerful God that he can speak all of this into existence. And he can say, let there be light. And there can be light when there's no sun. Because light was on day one. And what day was the sun? Four, thank you. <laughs> it was on the fourth day. You say, well, we can have light without sun. Yeah, that was at the beginning of time. And it's going to be at the end of time too. You remember that in Revelation? There's no sun or moon there, but the Lamb is the light. And boy, I'm thankful for that. Listen, hold on to the Word of God. Trust it, believe it, by faith. And it is by faith. This is what the Bible says, and we'll believe it. Amen? Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we love you. Thank you for being such a great and almighty God. Lord, I am continually amazed that the God that spoke this world into existence is the same God that I serve. And the power that you have in your word is the same power that we have available to us every day. And Lord, I just pray that we would, by faith, believe what the scriptures say and understand them, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And Lord, I so pray that we'd live in your presence according to your power understanding that even today we have been given the breath of life and may we use that for your honor and glory. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for just settling it right at the beginning. We believe in creation. Thank you for being so wonderful in our lives. You're so special to us, but we're so special to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.